often beats with Clint. Ew. Well, you know, um, good thing about rice cookers is that they will help build your self-esteem because I look like a big old grain of white rice if it was saturated in canola oil. A little hydrogenated, I guess. Um, but hey, the best way to build your self-esteem is just to eat rice and meat and broccoli. And you will gain some muscle and lose some LBs. And boy... Once I get under the weight of a LB linebacker, um, I can get back in line and start backing that ass up again on my C-R-O-T-C-H. That is crotch for the deaf listeners out there, which if you are deaf, it doesn't matter if I spell it out. Because like some people, you can spell it out, you can pee it out, give them a DNA test, um... Show them forms of what you're about and consenting to. But, uh, episode 78 of the Off and Beat podcast. I am your host, Clint. Again, another solo pod. I think I'm on a streak of 78 straight solo pods. Um, yes, it's not exactly your. When you looked up Solo Act in your web browser, you were not expecting this. Pretty sure you were expecting a different type of solo action, but one-on-one, here we come. No pun intended. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of like the old private matches. Again, private. And it's definitely a match when you're exchanging privates. Um... It's kind of like the old Xbox Live days, 1v1, Rust, except I guess you could say I'm not really rusty, but damn, get me off the bench and let me quick scope a double because I am not hitting it out of the park, but you know what? I am consistent. Not every episode is going to be the next Joe Rogan with Yami Park. Where it's a revelating podcast moving. Sometimes you're going to have, um, let's just say, Colin Cowherd with Jim Harbaugh interview in 2015 ish, where it was pretty awkward and it was pretty hard to listen to. As most of my pods are, they are hard to listen to. Not because they're easily accessible, because they're very easily accessible. They're only on the biggest fucking platforms and the main ones except for episode 74 but whatever um but because it is hard to listen to one individual talk for 40 minutes plus especially when that one individual is not great at it yet but it's not the point for that Red thermal cup, let's have a party, and let's just 
Double cup me, cause I'm too hot to handle. Haha, <laughs> that's what they all say. Imagine, uh, I feel like I'm starting like open my, uh, you know, the other day I was taking a walk in the park and a pigeon shell on me and I'm like, hey, stop doing your thing in your territory. Uh, some jokes hit, some don't, and some really don't. And a lot of mine recently have been. Um, they've been painting the corners, but, you know, the problem with painting the corners is that it's subjective to the eye of whether it's a ball or a strike, depending on the ref, right, Joe West and Angel Hernandez, depending on the ref or umpire, depends on those borderline calls where that day they may give you the strike, that day they may not. But it is your job to study that ump, to study that audience, to see what hits and what doesn't. Or you just say, fuck it. I'm going to do my thing. Y'all are just going to have to experience what you didn't ask to experience. And that's the route I decided to take because it's less work and more fulfilling. And speaking of fulfilling, um, talk about dreams of paradise. Is Disney theme parks heavily overrated? I don't know. Depending if you're a goofball. <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, it's fascinating to me. Why have we just... What's with our obsession with animals that become human-like? But what would actually happen if your dog started standing on two legs and talking like Goofy? What would happen if when you saw a mouse in the corner, it started saying, Hey there, buddy. Get a little creepy. You know, sometimes they say, um, keep your, keep your work at work. Don't bring it home. I wonder if they, the creators of those characters... If they ever brought it home with them and made it come to life, right, Evanescence? Bring me back to life, except how can you bring something back to life if it was never there to begin with? Sound like the start of an abortion talk, but we're not going to go there. Um, but yeah, is that, is that, uh, is that, is that a message that not bring your work home with you? Is that actually a good message? Because some would argue that you don't necessarily, you shouldn't be thinking about work all the time. But at the same time, if you give any shit about your job, you have to, you know, you kind of have to think about it outside of work to prepare for when you're trying to accomplish some goals. I know this has come from an unemployed person, so it's like, uh, it's like hearing, I don't know what it's like hearing. I guess it's like hearing Kasim Reed talk about what it's like to be a dignity, full mayor. I guess it's like Anthony Weiner telling you, hey, keep your wiener in your pockets. <laughs> oh, Oscar. Kind of like The Office, except uh, I don't think Anthony Weiner will work in an office-like environment. But that would be funny to see Anthony Weiner 
in the office, the show, and have Steve Carell interact with Anthony Weiner. It's like, ah, so, uh, you know we can't. I, I could just see a scene like this. You know, Anthony, I, have you ever heard of a habitual line stepping? Um, well, sometimes when you take out things that overstep the line, people get a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Frightened. And, and then of course, Michael Scott would go into start giving a personal story of something. See, like, in the fifth grade, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to show, I wanted to show my car collection. I want to show my Hot Wheels collection to a girl named Lizzie. But you know what? She didn't ask for it. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to show it anyways. I'm going to enforce what she doesn't know she wants to know from me. Just. And sometimes we all have to find out the hard way that. We shouldn't just pull out a car collection. And then it'll just be a long, drawn-out pause of Anthony Weiner. Somehow we're looking at Michael Scott a whole lot more different. Like Somehow in a situation where someone's sending their Weiner around the office, no pun intended, um, Michael is playing. And then they cut a scene, and then they probably cut it to like Pam and Jim and Andy Bernard having a chat about... Some type of something that they saw Creed doing in the break room with Phyllis. And then it cuts back and next thing you know, Michael Scott's playing hot cross buns for Mr. Anthony Weiner. But if I was a writer of The Office, that's, I don't know, that's an idea I would do. But I'm pretty sure when they do a reunion episode, it's not going to involve me or Anthony with any type of Weiner. What do I know? Never give out. Or give it in. Uh, You know, open door policy. As the Phoenix Suns would try to have you believe. An open door policy. Sometimes, maybe the door is a little too open. Maybe in workplaces. Maybe, um, not. Maybe open door policy is not always the best policy. You know, there should be a, you know, there should be a, we shouldn't be afraid to, like, the door shouldn't be completely locked with five different locks to get in, but at the same time, has open door policy ever really worked out? Because always some, when you have open door policy, sometimes too much of what you're unhappy about and angry about and stuff that quote unquote needs to be said, sometimes too much of that gets out there and sometimes too much is said. And sometimes an open door policy to people that want an open door policy are typically um, people that know they're going to have a lot of problems anyways. But if they just give the caveat, we had an open door policy. It's almost like I'm actually more scared. I would actually be more worried as an employee if my boss had an open door policy than if they didn't. Because if they have an open door policy, that means 
it's like this mental, it's this mental mind fuck where it's, the door is always open, so that means they're open to whatever, which means if I see some in the office, it's like, you know what, we live in a loose environment, maybe this is just what's okay, maybe it's okay that impregnating the cheerleaders, but if you don't have an open door policy, that means if you're going to come up here, you better make sure you have some shit that needs to be said. <sighs> Maybe the problem is that we have too many open door policies, too much access to higher ups and people in leadership positions. Open door policy, it's like having an open door policy with your parents. It sounds it sounds great. But it's also if you have an open door policy where you can just tell your mom and dad anything that's going wrong and anything you're unhappy about, it's like, all right, well, sounds like a you problem, and that's kind of the, the rules. And it also kind of muddies up what is work appropriate and what is actually appropriate if we're going back to the work environment aspect. But with the parent analogy, it's like the parents and kids, parents should not be a kid's best friend. That's not the job. That's not from my, from what parents will tell you and anyone that will tell you. Uh, your job is not to be your kid's best friend, but someone they respect and can go to. If needed. But I'm not your best friend. I don't care to hear about every little thing you do. I don't care to do certain things with you. Um, I got other shit to worry about as a dad. I do not give a fuck about what uh, little Reginald at school said that you're ugly. Because chances are he's probably on to something. But sometimes when you muddy up the water, when you have open door policy and you truly feel anything to be said, it actually kind of makes you do the opposite. It kind of makes you not respect the authority figure enough where it's kind of like, I should not be able to just come to you and bitch about anything. Because then it kind of saturates what's wrong in a workplace. It kind of saturates what you're unhappy about. Because every little thing, what are you going to do? You're going to go to that person. And it could be trivial over nothing. And you're going to complain and bitch about it. Then you're going to just have a list of complaints in this open door policy. Then the more and more you come, they're going to take it less serious because you're starting to bitch about trivial shit. When a good portion of time, the stuff we're complaining about in a workplace are... It's really just heat in the moment, emotional, and the next day it's probably not that serious. But I really think if you're going to go to a boss or a person in leadership position and something needs to be said, then you go and do what needs to be said. And who cares if you get fired? If you're doing the right thing, you're doing the right thing. I'll say it 10 times over. I'll get fired from a job before I let, before I just see something that's totally egregious. 
of someone at work being taken advantage of or uh, something happened to them. If I get fired, I get fired. Why would I want to continuously work with that just because I quote unquote need a paycheck? But I would only go to them when it's necessary, not just bitch about when, oh, I don't like, uh, I don't like the fact that, uh, Alfonso is a lazy fuck. Guess what? They probably know it as well. But guess what? You both get paid the same. So, deal with it. I just think that, I I think the situation with the sons and typical workplace situations where you have an open door policy is that it's actually kind of a reverse cycle. It's kind of a reverse, um, it's kind of a reverse deflection of what they're really trying to say. Be careful when you work at a place that quote unquote just has an open door policy, because chances are they have that to kind of minute down when things are going really bad. And they'll just say, oh, well, if we're just open about it, it's all good. It's like, Maybe. But sometimes half of it's just getting out of your system. And once you say it, you think you've done your part. I just think that maybe once you once you muddy that water of the separation of the employee and the higher ups, it really it really disintegrates the respect value. We're not here to be best friends. Your parents are not here to be best friends with you. So, um, open door policy, heavily overrated. If you see something, then report it. If nothing's done, quit. If you see something, report it. It's really that simple. But whatever, move past that, get back to the J-O-K-E-S. feel a little inflamed today, and I don't mean I just need some icy hot. I mean cooler than a breath mint when it touches your tongue after you brush your teeth with Scope Orange Advance Whitening Toothpaste. Scope! And I see you in them. And you just want to snipe your head off because, man, that uh, toothpaste brain freeze really gets an effect. Nothing worse than swallowing a glup of toothpaste. I'm pretty sure it's probably just as bad for you as swallowing gum. It probably just sits in your system. It's not an appetizing feeling, but it's not that big of a deal. Because you know what? Your saliva is just swirling around. It's like... You're welcome, audio listeners. And... You can't, uh, it's kind of ironic. We call them toothpaste, but for some reason, they wash off very easily. Any glue or paste that I've ever dealt with, um, not as easy. Elmer, FUD, oh, talk about shotgun wedding and little wabbits. And nothing like a silly wabbit tricks up for kids, except that's a whole different wabbit. Because, and by the way, for Trick's fucking cereal, ever since they, 
even though I know they switched back to the abnormal shaped ones that they used to have, when they switched it to the to the ball size where it basically looked like cocoa puffs but for fruit, it was not the same. It just wasn't. I don't know if it was the shape, the taste, but even when they've gone back to the original shapes, still hasn't been the same. I guess you could say they're tricking you and think they're giving you a treat. That's what I should do for Halloween. Just fucking, they come in here, have a trick cereal, just grab a handful and plump it in there. Buzz Lightyear pillowcase. Just in case they accidentally uh, fall asleep when they get home because they eat too much candy, but some of the candy and food is still in it, so they just, by human instinct, throw the pillow on the bed and they just lay their head back and next thing you know, crunch. Because I threw some Captain Crunch in there and said, and then I put a little audio speaker in there for when the cereal crunches. It says, crunch it eyes me, Captain. And then they wake up, think they're having a hallucination or a not really a daydream since it's probably 11 o'clock at night when this is happening. And they're probably thinking they're having a scary dream. The next thing you know, I put Freddy Krueger audio in there and then I scare them. Thinking they're actually about to get killed by Freddy Krueger. And then they run out of bed. Since it's dark. They run into the door. And they fall down. And they give themselves a concussion. And then the next morning. Uh, their parents are banging on the door. They say hey. Get to school little fucker. And then they hear. And they think like holy shit. That's Freddy Krueger on the other side. So then they jump out the window. And they break a couple of their legs and then they're thrown in the loony bin when they go and say why. They jumped out the window and they're basically, next thing you know, they're uh, next to the isolation chamber of Michael Myers in his infancy statement stages. And then you have Michael Myers and his best friend. They take over the world for next Halloween. Or the next Halloween's to come. And then, if you thought one Michael Myers could destroy a town and last for eight movies after getting shot in every single movie and essentially dying every movie coming back, now you got double trouble. Almost like Parent Trap. Except uh, it's a parent. Lindsay Lohan didn't have any. And that was a trap. In her life. But. Who knows. Maybe. uh, Or maybe we'll just call it a Freaky Friday. Which ironically. Freaky Friday. Jamie Lee Curtis was in Freaky Friday. She was in the original Halloween. And one of the more recent ones. As an older lady individual. It's funny how it all comes full circle. Kind of like Nicki Minaj's. Cheeks. Oh those cheeks. My anaconda don't because it's just not, but they'll try. As uh, Drake would say, I get an E for effort. Seems like he has said that in a lot of songs. I guess it's like his trademark line. Imagine using the same line you used in 2010 and 2020. That's when you know you can literally do whatever the fuck you want. Did you know Olivia Munn actually used to be in the uh, 
in the gaming world, legitimately. She's worked for the G4 Network. She used to be kind of like a host of the, you know, the gaming awards and stuff like that. She used to be really dead in that world. Man, I remember seeing it when it was happening in real time. It's like when your uh, parents said that, oh, I remember where I was when O.J. Simpson, when all that was happening. That's how it was with Olivia Munn. Um, she actually used to date Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers left her for Danica. And then left Danica for Shane Lee Woodley. Guess you should say he really made a divergent plan there. <laughs> oh, the spectacular situation he's in now, though. Because he is getting a lot of criticism for apparently, well, not apparently, uh, you know, I like Aaron Rodgers, and I I like him in the meat, like, I genuinely enjoy him on the Pat McAfee show, I can't really defend, um, because whether you believe someone deserves to, because whether you believe, um, vaccines, mandates, it's not really the point here, it's the fact of the matter is for you know, if someone does ask you, you know, you don't have to explain why. You really don't. But you just say yes or no. And then just leave it at that type of thing. And he tried to get around with a lot of semantics saying he's immunized because he does some alternative treatment, which is fine. But it's not approved by the league. But one thing that fascinated me most about it, though, right? He's getting criticism, and that's fine. I do find it interesting how, though, he's not getting nearly the same amount of criticism as Kyrie. With Kyrie, it seemed like such a personal thing, even though, however you want to break it down, regardless of your personal feelings about Kyrie and the stuff in the past about Earth is Flat or his personal views on the world, his Zen-like lifestyle, taking time off in the game and all that stuff when he wants um, I say you can't, you know, uh, when you have when you have security, financial security, and power security, you can get away with shit. That's just the way it is. So you could bitch about it and say it's not fair. Well, you know what? You would probably take advantage of some of the royalties that they do as well if you did. But anyways, I do find it interesting though how um, it seems like not just with Stephen A, but just across the board. People are holding Aaron Rodgers accountable, but it's not like this pure, it's not like this pure personal outburst. It's not this like personal hatred. It's almost like they treat Kyrie like, they treat Kyrie like a child who, I don't even, I be honest, I don't even know a fucking comparison to be pretty honest about it, kind of drawing a fog, kind of like I have the old, the old disease, um, but what's fascinating to me, though, with Kyrie, it seems the outcry and everything is so personal because of what people's personal feelings about his outlook on life, but with Aaron Rodgers, it's not nearly there. Even though people hold him accountable, they want to get into semantics about some things. Well, if you want to break it down, there's differences in the situations just because of the league rules and city rules. 
break it down first. The NBA has the rule where Brooklyn, the city rule, you can be unvaccinated and play in the NBA, just not in those cities if you live there. Which, of course, in Kyrie's situation affects great greatly. But you can be unvaccinated and play. But in his situation specifically, it's like, well, he's like, I'll play, but, you know, I can't. They won't let me. But he's telling you straight up, there's no and ifs or buts to me. He's like, nah, I'm not. He's straightforward with, and people don't like his reasoning, right? People don't like his reasoning. The reason is irrelevant. He's telling you he doesn't. He didn't lie to you. You just don't like the reason why he didn't get whatever. But with Aaron Rodgers, it's pretty blatant. And he used the word immunization for semantics reasons. Because to be honest, he probably knew if he just said immunization, the reporters weren't really that well versed on immunization doesn't technically mean vaccination. They probably didn't want to follow up and sound ignorant because he is very choice with his words because he is a pretty smart individual that's probably smarter than a lot of people asking him questions if we're going to be frankly honest about it. Um, it seems the argument with Aaron Rodgers with people that want to try to defend him or try to justify for why it's not nearly as bad as Kyrie's is semantics. When in reality, you can make the argument... That the only reason why Kyrie gets more criticism is because there's just a personal disdain towards Kyrie. And people saying Kyrie, he's been public about, you know, he's always out there talking about, oh, this is why this and all this is like, yeah, you know, Aaron, Aaron pretty much has done the same thing with things. He has views on stuff, which, by the way, all the athletes should. I'm for it. But he has, he, every week he's on the Pat McAfee show. And you actually get to see a real side, not the PR answering question. He's going to give you nonsense, really. It really, press conferences are the biggest waste of time. Unless, of course, except in the offseason when he was actually supposed to report to camp and stuff. And he showed up. A little bit after it was mandatory. And he showed up to camp when they didn't necessarily expect it. And when he came to the press conference, he just aired it all out. How his he doesn't like the front office, he's unhappy about this, and I'm all for it. But if you're going to criticize Kyrie, Aaron Rodgers deserves the same energy, as uh, they would say. Because uh, he's a motherfucking legend, him and Kyrie. Which, when you really break down their careers before you want to say, well, Aaron's won this. They have very similar career success. Uh, Kyrie, I believe, is a two-time champion. Aaron Rodgers is a one-time champion, obviously. Aaron Rodgers is going to get more credit. Center of the team, Kyrie was kind of 1A, 1B, hit clutch shot and everything. So even if you want to call that a wash, because LeBron, whatever, won. But he was part of two championship winning teams. And outside of that, hasn't really had a whole lot of playoff success outside of that. Not too different from Aaron. And I love Aaron. 
But we're going to keep on the subject of it. Um, and I hate talking about this shit, but it is a pretty relevant topic and something that keeps coming up. Um, at the end of the day, none of it's really a big deal. All right. Like they have protocols. He'll probably get fined. He'll probably have to. He might be suspended a game. He may have to stay in protocols longer because he is vac- because he is unvaccinated and do all that stuff compared to if he was. And, you know, it'll be a blow in the wind like a month and a half from now, to be honest. But it is interesting. I just found the treatment and I found the weaving and sandaling, as O'Shea Du Jackson would say, around how... There's definitely a double standard in how, because of our personal viewing of, because of our personal uh, preferences of personalities we like from athletes and people, we give different treatment to one athlete compared to other, even though they're saying or have the same beliefs on the same thing. But... Again, what the fuck do I know? Anyways, so let's uh let's end this on a seven minute strong wing of nonstop puns. Alright, Clint. Here we go. Da 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 uh, I love me some resistant bands because uh when I'm pulling them back, she resists me too. And then we band together. And uh, the pull up, I uh, pull in the driveway, I close the garage, and I just sit there. And then I let the carbon monoxide kill me and say, oops, I accidentally, I'm sorry, I fell asleep, not going out like this. And then she says, get out of my fucking face. And I'm divorcing you. But you know what I say? Over my dead body. And as a Drake would say, you can thank me now or you can thank me later. And no matter if I take care, I will be sobbing in like him in Marvin's room. Fuck that. I can't repeat the next line for all the things you said. I'm just saying you can do better. Even if I've given you no reason why you can do better or any reason for why you should do better for me. I'm just saying you can do better. Uh, oh, you gotta love it. Oh, 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 you gotta love it. Let's get to the bottom of it. And boy, did I. When I pulled out the oil pan for the oil to leak into while I was changing it. And next thing you know, vroom, vroom. And then my alternator blew out. And no matter how you alternate it, um, you're still in debt. You're still indebted. You know what's funny, though? Uh, I do find this interesting. Just a random thought that popped in my head. It's okay to say that I was listening to a podcast earlier. I think it was Whitney Cummings. 
I'm not really a big fan of her podcasts like all the time, but in doses with certain guests, I'm okay with it. I'm just not a big fan of people talking about codependency and projecting what they hate on everything else that's outside of their own world. Not, not my thing. But, you know, there was a part where she mentioned they were talking about how the slightest little thing, it's human nature, that one little thing you can see from someone can turn you off from them and never look the same. And it'd be some as dumb. An example for her was with a guy she was madly in love with at a time in her life. <laughs> they were walking, I believe in New York City or something, and he tripped and fell. It wasn't anything egregious, he just tripped and fell. He lost his coordination. And she said, from that day on, she knew she couldn't be with him. She found him completely unattractive by that. Because the dude tripped and fell. Because she's like, well, if you trip and fell, that means you are uh, uncoordinated. That means you're probably not fit for kids. You're not going to be here long enough. You're not, in, you're not in shape. You're this, that, and the other. Even though the most fittest people in the world in athletic competitions trip and fall. But, again, whatever. It's just funny how that's this accepted thing. I feel like there should be more things. I don't really feel like when she said that, I don't really feel like that's the reason why she's why she all of a sudden found him completely unattractive. I feel like there's other things, but that's the stuff she'll use to make a point, which is fine. But I do think there's some there's some realness to that. That everything you could think completely highly of a person. And it could be the slightest, it could be the most serious things. The slightest thing can make you just not look at them the same again. Like, you can't, like, you can't sit here. Like, we could pretend, like, move past stuff. We could pretend that you can't take certain images out of your head. If you walk in, you come home one day, you walk into your bedroom door unexpectedly, you're like, oh. <gasps> Because you see your husband getting strapped in the ass um, and getting pounded better than he ever pounded you. Yeah, you're going to look at him a little different. It's going to be really hard to just look at someone the same. You, you could pretend to move past shit, but mental images like that never leave your head. And her seeing that man trip and fall. I would say it's the equivalent of walk, walking in on your husband unexpectedly getting pounded by a strap-on. Certain images, I think, equate. It's fair. And guess what? They're the same exact person that you were with for nine years prior. They could be the loving husband. They could be a loving father. They could be a great person to you, always attentive, has never hit you, has... Done everything in their power to love you and make you happy. And you thought everything was fine. You walk in on that. They're still the same person they were 20 minutes before that interaction started. The only difference is you look at them a whole lot different. But they're the same person. Who's in the wrong? For you completely looking at someone completely different over an isolated incident. When there's a body... Uh, years and years of evidence and this was just a lapse of judgment this was just a mistake a lapse of judgment lost his footing but could you imagine 
if she was walking down the aisle and she tripped walking up to him? What if he was like, everyone, sorry, it's off. I can't deal with this. I'm not going to be mindful of the fact that she has a dress that's three times her size. And I know it's hard to walk when you're wearing special heels and it's a big overgown dress and it's interfering with your straight walkway. Talk about stairway to heaven. I'm pretty sure that guy would get a lot of shit. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. But if she were to walk in on him, get him fucked in the ass. For some reason, that would cloud her judgment. On who she's with. Unfair world. At least that's what they'll tell you. It's a man's world. Just don't trip. So moral of that story is. I'm not going to lie. Ever since I heard that. All day. And I'm with no one. Like no one by my side. I'm at the gym. By myself. Going to places by myself. And I'm just sitting there like man. Now I'm sitting here looking down, watching my feet, making sure I don't trip, making sure my shoes are tied, double knotted, whether ready or knotted, here I come tripping, talk about, man, you tripping to a whole new level, because literally, if you're tripping, it's over. It's just, it's just fascinating me. I, but, you know, hey. There's certain mental images that are hard to get out of your head. It is what it is. That's fair. Are there different things that I feel like should weigh a little bit more than others? I think if your partner trips because they're uncoordinated or whatever, I think it's a little bit extreme. But like, oh, what does this say? It's like, uh, it, ma- it means it was kind of slick outside. It was 31 degrees after it snowed two days prior. Still black ice. You're in the city. Condensed area. Steps are a little questionable. He probably just had sketchers. Probably didn't have specific shoes that are equipped for the weather. I don't know. But then, of course, people will say, well, if he's not prepared, what does that say about him? It's like, it means he probably doesn't live there. And he wasn't preparing for black ice. And he thought, "Ah, I've walked on ice before in these shoes. Nothing's really ever happened. I have good traction. It's like, you know, you don't, you know, when you travel... To snow cities, you don't change your, you don't go buy a whole new set of snow tires because you probably aren't really assuming that it's going to be snowing like that. If you're moving there, that's one thing. But yeah, if you travel from Louisiana and travel to Minnesota, you should probably think about, yeah, is this the type of vehicle? Is these the type of tires that survive in these conditions? That's why you probably get a rental to accommodate those needs, but you know what, lapse of judgment, he wore the wrong shoes, he slipped, if you were in love with him, that shows me, maybe you weren't, and you use that as an excuse for something that was deeper, but whatever, again, what the fuck do I know, but I'll tell you what I do know, that was episode 78 of the Off and Beat podcast. I realize I haven't looked in the camera for 92% of this video. That's fine, because mainly I just recorded the video 
to convert the audio, since I don't have an audio thing to record, so I have to convert it illegally, well, not illegally, but not ideally. Speaking of ideal, I deal with the cards I'm handed, and then I say, Ace of Spades! And no matter if the AC is on, I give her some D. Down to her C. That is Cooter. And I guess you could say we are pawing up the furry nuzzle and saying, Have a great day, guys. Episode 78. Enjoy the Friday pod. And let's get nasty. Uh, This guy. This fucker.